What's poppin'? You're in the lab, hosted by me, Dave Turris. In the lab is brought to you by Urban Lab Wireless Consulting. Up your wireless game and evolve your playbook. My guest in the lab today is a productivity coach and host for Crusher TV. He teaches productivity hacks to professionals and entrepreneurs. He is also an internationally recognized speaker, including TED Talk and the number one best-selling author of Zen and the Art of Productivity. You can find him at www.crushertv.com. Please welcome in the lab today, Mr. Alan P. Brown. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, and it's great to be talking with you today. Awesome. I got a question for you. Does the P in your name stand for productivity? You know what? Now <laughs> that you said that, I'm going to go for the legal name change now. Are you? Because <laughs> uh, now I can do the Austin Powers type. My middle name is productivity. Oh, or, man. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, let's jump right in today. This is one of my favorite topics, and we're going to be discussing managing overwhelmed, scattered brains, Alan. This is awesome. Uh, we are all scattered to some degree, some more than others. But uh, yeah, I love the topic. And uh, as you know, I'm pretty passionate about it. Absolutely. You know, and in this industry, in sales in particular, um, you know, I, I reach the wireless community. But ADHD in the workplace is a real thing with whether it's sales, finances, training, marketing, IT support, whatever you want to call it. But not everyone has ADHD, but we feel like it. Alan, why do we feel like we have ADHD? Well, there are two kind of, well, first, let me say something about the sales arena. Yeah. There are some career areas that seem to attract, you know, real ADDers. And uh, one of them in sale is sales uh, because it's, it's, a, it's an environment that allows people to define their own structure. Um, it is um, a kind of, it's almost kind of like a sink or swim thing, which is something that actually helps ADDers, you know, get motivated sometimes. Yeah. Uh, the other areas are EMTs, firefighters, designers, et cetera, but sales is definitely one of them. But back to, to your question, which is, hey, you know, uh, not everybody has the ADHD, but so many of us feel like we have ADHD. And there are two kind of main factors uh, at work in this and, and, and the, to the reason why so many of us say, you know what, I don't know if I have ADHD, but I, sometimes I just feel like, it. well, one is that okay. our brain is just totally outgunned. Um, you know, our brains literally were designed about 200,000 years ago to deal with a, less than 100 kilobytes of information. I mean, just think about that. 200,000 mm -hmm. years ago, we're out there in the, the savannah and we are just, the only things we needed to think about was how to get some food, how to avoid getting eaten. Um, and then mating. Um, but we now, it's, uh, particularly in the last 50 years, the amount of, of uh, a computation and, and data handling our brain needs to do is, is just ridiculous. And our brains really weren't, weren't meant to do this, right. although we are, we are adapting. And then the other thing is the fact that you know, for any given uh, you know, family unit household, you've often got two incomes. You've got both parents that are busy. Uh, it, where, where, when you're at work, there are um, uh, kind of undefined boundaries between your work time and your personal time, yeah. right? We've got, I'm holding in my hand my iPhone, which, by the way, has more computing power than the Apollo spacecraft that went to the moon and back. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's a literal it's thing. So here we are. We're stretched. We're, we're asked to do more and more and more of our, from our workplaces and from our households. Yeah. And so, anyway, it's no... It's no surprise that, uh, for instance, that one of the top guys in the ADHD world, his name is Dr. Ed Hallowell, he wrote the seminal book um, uh, entitled uh, Driven to Distraction. Well, he's a psychiatrist that has practices in like four or five major cities, and he says that 
more than half the people who come knocking on the door of his practice aren't actually ADHD. He what says they? They, 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 they feel like they are, and he describes them as ADT. So instead of attention deficit disorder, he describes them as attention deficit traits. So mm. sort of a long answer to your question. Yeah. This is, you could be ADT. You might not be diagnosed, but I'll just say one more thing in this area, which is, you know, I, I did a TED talk about the fact that there are 9 million adults in the U.S. alone, and they're evenly distributed around the world, who have ADHD, but 85% of them don't know it. So if you are oh, ADHD man. and you know it, you are among a, a only 15% who actually are aware of it. So there, there's a real good chance that if you feel like ADHD, you could be you could ADHD. Have it. Well, yeah. and, okay, that leads me to this. You know, all the leaders listening on this on this podcast and myself as a leader in the wireless industry, um, how do you, it's very sensitive and you don't want to be insensitive to this. How do you either A, go up to somebody that works for you that you you might say, hey, you know what, you, you might have this ADT trait and how do you how do you approach this without being insensitive? You know, it's it's a big question that's asked uh, by people with ADHD who who wonder, well, should I tell my boss? Because ADHD is protected to yes, some protected. degree in the uh, Americans with Disability Act, mm -hmm. um, and so you, ha as an ADD, or have a right to go to your boss and say, hey, I have ADHD. Here's my diagnosis from a psychiatrist or a doctor, and I need the following accommodations. But actually, Hallowell himself says, you know what? And I, and I totally agree with this. Don't you don't need to tell anybody that you're ADHD. Just tell people, tell your boss how you work best. Mm. And if that means having a quieter workspace to work in, having a little bit more time to do, work on things, um, et cetera, et cetera. So if you flip that back around and you are a supervisor and you think there might be some people who are ADHD in your in your uh, team, it probably isn't productive to go up to them and say, hey, I think you might have ADHD. You might want to go check that out you're probably better off saying, hey, look, I noticed some things about your your work performance. We love this. This is good. Uh, that's good. This is not so good. Let me try to help you with these areas where, and here are the ones that are that are most likely to get ticked off. Right. Don't seem to be prioritized. You don't seem to be organized. You don't seem to be able to focus on the things that we need you to focus on. Um, and you're, you're having difficulty finishing projects. And then there could be a whole slew of other things. Right. I think that's the best way to go at it is not not put an ADHD label, label. on it. Yeah. Um, and just just help the person with the issues they're they're facing. I love that. And, and you know, I guess that kind of walks us into our next uh, our next topic is, you know, helping our scattered brain folks that work for us or even myself. But we can start with the people that work for us, um, getting them focused on the right things to stay on task so they are set up for success. Um, you mentioned the other day. And also um, in some of your talks, you mentioned prioritization, clear, frequent communication of goals. Can you kind of walk me through um, some of these uh, traits that we need to uh, help our, our, our young workers? Yeah, so again, <clears throat> and I'm someone who was an undiagnosed ADD or throughout my, through my, my whole life, right up until I was about 36, 37 years old. Late bloomer. Uh, <clears throat> very late. And uh, in fact, it took me 10 years to get a four-year year degree uh, I was a drug addict, uh, a drunk, and a criminal, literally, for much of that time. But that's a whole, that's another. That's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but I finally yeah. got a job in, in the ad business uh -huh. at the age of almost 30, an entry-level job at a big New York City ad agency. And I busted my butt because now here I was pretty much clear of the drugs and the, and the drinking and all the bad yeah, stuff. Yeah, focused now. And I'm busting my butt, but I'm making very little progress. And here are the things that, um, that, were, that were really holding me back and that tend to hold back scatterbrained uh, uh, workers okay. out there in the world. So one, as you mentioned, prioritization. What should I be working on today? And um, making sure that once I start working on that pri priority, that I stay on that task. Yeah. And I don't go off getting into you know little escapes like constantly checking my emails or checking my social media or just doing what, what, what I call pseudo productivity, which is stuff that makes you feel like you're getting stuff done like deleting just kind of moving emails. it around moving, exactly <laughs> yeah. and as dr stephen covey the author of seven habits of highly effective people would tell you that would equate to uh what does he he calls it um oh doggone it it's uh, um what's the a shift sifting gravel i'm sorry it took me a while to get that but <laughs> sifting gravel and it, again okay. if you're sifting gravel it makes you feel like you're getting something done but if you're not moving your boulders forward right um you're not really at the end of the year going to be able to go walk into your review and say yeah i hit all these these milestones now, now so, as a, let's stop on prioritization so is you know do do 80 deers or adt do they need more structure around prioritization or is that more on them to learn. They definitely do. They definitely do need, and this is where super, their supervisor can really, really Good. help them. And it really ties in uh, with that that next thing that you mentioned, which is the clear and frequent communication. Look, if if I'm an ADD -er and or an ADT -er, and I I can't seem to stay focused on the right stuff, um, and at the end of my review period, I my numbers haven't made it. Um, what would definitely have helped me is if I had more frequent check-ins with my boss Okay. that says, hey, Alan, what are you working on today? What are you working on this week? Um, having some clearly defined goals. Hey, listen, buddy, here's what I want to see from you. You know, and, and most of, your, most of your, your subordinates don't need, won't need this level of attention. Right. But you could have a real diamond in the rough here with this, with this ADD or ADT or who could really end up excelling because they've got great personality, they've got great energy, they're willing to work hard. So again, if you're able to more frequently say, have a check-in with that person and say, look, I'm gonna check in with you every other day or you know, uh, twice a week or whatever that is, and we're gonna go over what you're working on, make sure you're working on the right stuff and make sure that you have, okay, by, the, by Friday in the business, here's what I wanna have. I wanna have 25 of these calls done and I want to have 125 of these cold calls or whatever those. So setting those are. clear, set communication. Uh, Prioritize. Gotcha. Okay. Well, and you, and you mentioned workplace accommodations. Now, you know, let's just take take sales for example. What would be some of uh, workplace accommodations that you would recommend for the leaders on the on this podcast? Well, this is a tricky one because I know every workplace is different, and a lot of sales positions differ. You know, you could have a salesperson who's really out there on the road a lot. You could have someone who's working the phones in right. the office. But so just kind of take this and apply it wherever you, wherever it might work. But uh, the first thing that uh, the scattered brain individual needs is they need quiet. And that doesn't mean you have to go give them the corner office. Right. In the in the um, cellar? <laughs> or put them down there? Them in the dungeon. You don't have to put them in grandpa's okay. either. But um, it, it can help if you know, if they're in a cubicle, let's say, and there is a lot of social activity around a cubicle, or let's just say they're near the copy room or the water cooler or the kitchen, mm -hmm. get those people away from there, put them in a relatively isolated, don't, you know, don't shun them, 
you know, but put right. them off a place that definitely has less foot traffic, et cetera, because they are very easily uh, pulled away from their work. Right. Another thing is if they want to, say, use headphones or if there is a certain, um, you know, fashion in which they work better, whether it's with music mm -hmm. or, um, you know, uh, YouTube make, playing in the background or something. Yeah. It could be that it could be um, making it could be just having frequent breaks. It could also be. Uh, and this is something that I do, and there's a lot of research behind this. I call it venue change. Now, when venue I get change, done, venue change, venue, like, okay, yeah, venue, as in you know, V E N U E. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so I know I, 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 I might have it might have sounded like I said, can you change? Well, yeah, yes, you can. <laughs> but, but uh, so what I do is when when, I, when we get done with our call today, I've I've got uh, quite a bit of writing to do. I'm writing the next episode of the show, and I probably got four or five hours of writing, which is the hardest thing that I do. Sure. The most folks, the most energy, the most willpower, et cetera. And what I will do is I will work in probably five different locations. So I will start out probably uh, on my uh, front balcony, which is uh, a nice view of the Pacific. I will I will work there for an hour, an hour and a half. Um, I will then, believe it or not, I will get in my truck. I got a pickup truck and I will get in that truck and I'll drive down to the ocean uh, with a fresh uh, cup of decaf coffee and I will sit in the passenger seat. I'll set a timer for 90 minutes or two hours and I will do another two hours there. I will come yeah. back here. I'll go out to the pool. So what, what have, there's a, a lot of psychology behind this. Right. Also, I could end up going to Starbucks or to another coffee shop further down the road where I know there's always a good seat next to a power output. The, the upshot being that if somebody who has a, a very busy brain is being asked to sit in the same seat with a lot of people around that's near the kitchen uh, and, you know, is, is constantly being, you know, there's a knock on the cubicle saying, hey, how you doing? Hey, yeah, we're celebrating let's get some lunch. lunch. Yeah. You, you are going to be so de-optimized. So yeah. those are a handful that's of- That's great advice. Um, that, that you can do. And, and also, you know, ask that person, hey, you know, it's funny, the, the episode that I'm writing right now is, is, is three ways to be at your best, right? Now, we all know what it is to give our best, right? right. To work hard. And I did that for six years before I finally got the diagnosis and learned how to hack my brain a little but bit. Actually but actually be at your best. To be at your best. Right. So you, and, and a great thing about these ADHDers and ADTers, they will work hard and they will be loyal. Yeah. And, but but they can, you know, they can do like well, I did, which was I worked evenings and weekends for six years and just couldn't get any traction. Well, their energy is in a different, a different place. Their energy is, is, you know, when, when they really want to focus on something that is really um, not entertaining to them, but really it, excites them, their energy is there. But when it's something that is paperwork, emails, you know, basic functionalities that we need to be successful, it's kind of all over the place. By the way, that's another great distinction, and that could be an accommodation where, you, and, and I'm just kind of, I'm kind of uh, um, blue sky in this, but you know, if you have somebody who really does suffer, for instance, one of my private clients um, is really good at his business, uh, in his work, um, and but the difficulty he has is with his administrative stuff. So mm. he's like a year behind on his expenses, let's just say, right. and it is absolutely torturing him because it's these little things that are affecting his year-end review, but. Right. Well, Alan, I, I have to tell you, expenses are a block for me. <laughs> I mean, getting yeah. those. Oh, man, it's so tedious. And, uh, you know, yeah, I, I have it's, ADT it's mundane work. It's definitely mundane. Yeah. It doesn't excite us. So yeah. so you might be able to let's just say and I'm making this up. You might be able to say, hey, look, you know, I'll tell you what, what we're going to do is we're going to have so and so help you with these expenses. Um, but in exchange for that, 
I want you to, you know, I'm going to up your goals on this or, you know, just some kind of right. trade-off, just, something gotcha. like that. Well, you know, uh, what, what do you mean by uh, emotional aspects? You know, how do you set somebody up for success emotionally? Well, the thing here is really mostly about uh, awareness and the fact that a, a bona fide ADD or someone who really is clinically ADHD, um, and again, remember, if you know one person with ADHD, there are probably six more people that you know who have ADHD, but they don't know it and right. you don't. Um, but there is, uh, I actually just did a, a feature article for a magazine about the emotionality of ADHD. And what happens with ADHD is that um, we don't have the neurochemistry that helps us with the security checkpoint between our lizard brain, which is where emotions start, right? Mm -hmm. Something happens, you feel like something something offended you or that you were slighted or you were passed over for a promotion or whatever that is. And everybody, you know, normal people, they have a nice security checkpoint before things get to their frontal lobe that says, hold on a second, Should do we really need to kick and scream about this? Let's evaluate the pros and cons of protesting or screaming or yelling or, or quitting your job. Gotcha, yeah. And the, because the ADHD brain's uh, neurochemistry is, is deficient in making the connection between the, the reptile brain and the frontal cortex, what you end up with is often a lot of emotional outbursts. You, uh, you, ADDers are much more likely to experience anxiety, depression, mm. bipolar, a whole bunch of things uh, which I, I referred to in, in my uh, my TED talk about this. But so just be aware of that. Just be, be aware, aware of that, it. Um, you know, and, and it can go both ways, too. I was someone who was was kind of uh, emotionally up all the time. And I would actually get overly excited about things to the point where sometimes my client, I was in the advertising business, as I mentioned. Yeah. So sometimes my clients would be like, uh, Alan, okay, we know you're excited about this, but you're getting a little yeah, weird. calm down. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I experience this a lot uh, now that because you're talking about this is when I give out a quota for the month um, at the very beginning of the month, you either have people that freak out, oh, I can't hit it, it's too hard, this is unfair, and you can tell they're freaking out, and then there's mm -hmm. others that I got you, that you know, I can do this, no problem, um, you know, working around that and kind of delivering that news at the beginning of the month to some of the people, you actually kind of get a little apprehensive because you don't want them, you know, freaking out when you know yeah. that they can hit it and you just show them the steps on how to hit it and they kind of calm down. But I think that kind of falls under the emotional aspect. Yes, I would agree. I yeah. would agree. Now, you know, with a lot of the people that listen to this podcast um, are, you know, vice presidents, CEOs, um, upper management, senior management teams, uh, senior management leaders, um, and they run big teams or small teams. Um, what are some simple productivity strategies for a team? We'll, we'll use the team uh, example. Well, and I'll, and I'll take it from the perspective of, of, of leading that leading that team, um, be, because uh, you know with a team there are all these individual personalities, and as as anybody who's run a, a you know a good sized team, you right. know, that it's like having a family with ten kids, and every kid has his or her <laughs> special little right. thing, right? But but I, I, I really empathize with uh, anyone who is responsible for 10, 15, 20 people's performance. Um, and the, the things that I look look out for that I if I were to give, you know, say a, you know, general patent type speech to my team on a regular basis, I would be emphasizing 
uh, a handful of, of, the, of, of these things. So for instance, one is, and you and I have talked about this before, I think you mentioned this to me one time, but multitasking versus single tasking. Mm -hmm. You've gotta get, teach people that multitasking is a joke. It really, it's worse than a joke. Yeah. You know, there's been research done at Yale, Stanford, uh, MIT, San and, Diego and others State. that show that uh, maybe. <laughs> Is that is that true? Yeah, no, that's my alma mater. So I got the I know, I that's why the name. Uh, But um, the, the what you want to be able to to impart to your people is look, everybody, we are all uh, bombarded with our social media. We all have emails coming in all the time, and that mm -hmm. little ding going off all the time. We know we all have texts coming in on our phones. But look, let's all make a pact to start a practice of single tasking. What does that mean? It means I'm going to look at my to-do list or at my calendar and I'm going to say, okay, this one thing here is what I'm going to work on for the next 60 minutes or whatever. Now, understanding there could be interruptions, but sit down, mm -hmm. make a hard decision that this is what I'm going to work on and then set a timer for 60 minutes or 20 minutes or 90 minutes, whatever it is. Why set a timer? Does that just, uh, people respond differently under pressure if, it, if they're timed or... Are you just trying to make sure that they have enough time to go on to the next task? Yeah, well, it, it does both. serve both both yeah. purposes, but the main reason is because when you set a timer, you are committing yourself committed mentally, to psychologically to saying, this thing is what I'm going to be doing now for the next 60 minutes. Now, you may finish the thing in 40 minutes, which is great, Right. but the important thing is that the problem is that we don't make hard emotional um, distinctions between here's the thing I'm supposed to be working on right now, and here are 40 other things that could possibly come into my line of sight, whether it's Mary stopping by to say hello, or the boss coming by to say, uh, hey, don't forget about that other thing, or a text that pops up from my brother, or the urge to check my social media. So just doing this little mental exercise of saying, hey, yeah, this sense. is what I'm gonna work on, I'm gonna single task on this, and I'm gonna guard my brain's open window against things that are not what I've decided to do over the next 20, right. 30, 60, or 90 minutes. So single tasking is, That's is a great. Key, key thing. And if you could if you could find yourself, for instance, over the course of your day, having three or four good, solid single tasking sessions, man, you would see your performance results uh, skyrocket. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you also mentioned when we spoke about theming. What, what, is, what does that mean? Oh, I, I love this one. This is one of my favorite productivity tools. And um, what it basically means is that you're going to assign a certain activity or kind of activity to different uh, parts of your calendar. Okay. So, for example, I know that my best brain time, my strong time, and I tell all, all my people, my audience and my private clients, identify where your strong and weak times are. And we all know what they are probably intuitively, right? Some people in the morning, that's when I can do my toughest work, my hard brain work, right? That's where I'm fresh sharp. Yeah. Other people are more owl-like, right? So they might be really able to bang away at seven in the evening or whatever, whereas at seven in the evening, I'm pretty much useless. But anyway, once you identify your strong time, and, and for the purpose of this, this example, mine are 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. That's my strong time. So 8 a.m. to 11 a.m., I have a theme every day, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. This is called a horizontal theme because if you were to look at my, the calendar of, of my weekly calendar, you would see a horizontal block of 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Every day is writing. That's the theme. So every morning, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m., You're committed I'm to writing. writing. That's, my, that's what I do, and I do single tasking on writing. Okay. Another way to theme might be to theme your days. So for instance, in addition to writing every day, every Monday I edit. I do my video editing every Monday. 
On Tuesdays, I uh, one of my key things to do is administrative stuff and affiliate stuff. So, you know, when my truck insurance is due, I don't. Oh my God! I got to. I just remembered. I got to re- renew my truck insurance. I don't then tear myself away from the important thing I was. Of what doing. you're doing then. I write it in my in my pr- planner next Tuesday because you know, unless it's going to expire tomorrow, I say okay Tuesday. There's one of my admin things. So mm-hmm. that becomes a theme. And the great thing about that is that every time one of those administrative related things pops into my mind, oh that's right, I should do that. I don't have to pull myself away. And, and now on when I when on when this Tuesday comes up, I open up my planner to that day and oh good, here are all these little administrative things that I and have, you just knock you know, those out. And then I then what I do is I set a timer for an hour. To just to do get it done. I, that exactly. is great. That, that is such right. great time management and also overcoming the the fear of not doing something. I think theming is a great one. And, you know, we're almost out of time, Alan, but you also mentioned recovery rituals. What is recovery oh, rituals in, in the playbook? This is absolutely key. And it's something that too few of us are even aware of. And uh, there's, there's a great book called uh, The Power of Full Engagement by a guy named uh, Tony Schwartz. Um and, and it's really about the fact that time management is nothing if you're not managing your energy, mm-hmm. right? You could have all the time management planning devices and, you know, uh, uh, a planner. You can use your timer, this, that, and the other. But if you're not managing, if you're not in touch with your own energy, when, for instance, I mentioned, when are you at your strongest? Um, but also knowing about what's called the ultradian clock. And we all are familiar with our circadian mm-hmm. clock, right? That's yeah. when our melatonin is start to get, uh, starts to produce when it get, becomes dark at, at, at night. That's, that allows us to fall asleep. And then um, other uh, neurochemicals start to kick in in the morning, like cortisol, to get us awakened, and then blah, 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 blah. But ultradian rhythm is a, is a rhythm that across the course of the day that tends to go in 90 and 20-minute intervals so that you'll have sort of a... a a high performance area of uh-huh. 90 minutes and then a you'll need a 20 minute and it's different for everybody right right but if you just if you just use that as a as a ballpark um and let's say you know at at 1 p.m after lunch you hit a little bit of a wall we often talk about the three o'clock wall yeah um go for a walk or something instead of yeah, yeah and exactly and instead of going you know what I'm shot for the day. It's over. I'm just going to now do some pseudo productivity for the rest of the day. And then, you know, you're going to multitask, <laughs> move yeah, things you're around. Multitask, you're gonna, <laughs> yeah. What are you going to check your, check your emails yeah. again. You're going to check your social media. You're going to make some little meaningless phone calls, et cetera. Yeah. And you're basically going to check out for the day. But if you are aware that at three o'clock when that wall hits or one o'clock or whenever that, you know what, this is probably only going to last 20 minutes. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go into a, a recovery ritual. And by the way, you should do a recovery ritual after every single tasking session. So if you've just sat down and banged out a really couple of tough, tricky sales pitches, uh, or you've just done an hour of, of, of client calling that mm-hmm. really can be draining on you, go allow yourself a recovery ritual. So a recovery ritual can be something where you, as you just mentioned, you just get up and go outside and take a walk. Tons of research on the power of that. Just go out there for 10 minutes, walk around. Um, also, uh, eat some protein. Uh, I always have a bag of nuts and dried apricots with me. Almonds, uh, pumpkin seeds are yeah. absolutely amazing in terms of their uh, protein for the for the dollar value. Just amazing. And then you get a little bit of apricot in there for some glucose. That's a little bit. Um, kick back and re- do a recovery uh, ritual by just daydreaming. Seriously, set a timer for five or ten minutes and just daydream. 
what happens when you do that, you, your brain enters uh, a, 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 um, a phase called the default mode. And what happens there is hmm. you actually start to pull disparate uh, ideas together. And this is similar to what happens to you in the shower where you go, oh, my God, I just had an idea for so-and-so. So, ah, the, got you. Well, different... I've been in recovery mode all day then <laughs> this morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you've had some great ideas. But, Man, that's but awesome. But to wrap that, recovery rituals are something that few of us think about when, when, we, when, we hit the, you know, when we hit some kind of wall after working hard for 90 minutes or an hour or that 3 o'clock wall. We too often think, well, you know what? I'm good for nothing right now. But. If you were to, to in, instead of diving off into some escape type behavior like your social media yeah. or go down a rabbit hole on YouTube and instead go, you know what, this is going to last about 10, 15 minutes. I'm going to engage in a ritual that helps me recover more quickly so that I can then get back into another. I love time. it. That, that has got me fired up. Results. And you're, you, as a team leader, you will see your own and your people's results. That, that's awesome advice, Alan. You know, and, and on that note, Alan, we're out of time, brother. I really appreciate you being on the show and having... Uh, you know, these words of wisdoms. And, and I think a lot of people that are listening are going to really be able to apply uh, these strategies. So thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me here. I really enjoyed it. You got it, brother. Please go to CrusherTV.com where you can watch Alan's hit TV show, Crusher TV, and book him for your next consultation. Also, please pick up his book, Zen and the Art of Productivity, now on Amazon. Make it a great rest of your week, guys. In the Lab is a weekly podcast with innovative, energetic leaders within the wireless community who are obsessively curious and passionate about wireless sales and can offer advice on steps to take to evolve and emerge as a consistent leader in the wireless industry.